I am vengeance. I am the night. I am. Matthew Barr is here. And welcome to Enter the Batcave. And just like I said on last week's episode, I am bringing you this episode with my collection of graphic novels. Yep. And as you can tell there by the picture, I got a whole lot of them. Yep. All those you see right there on the picture there, they will all be covered today. And actually, I tried to record this episode early, but unfortunately, I had a hard time merging the episodes. Hopefully, this will go a lot better. So, without further ado, let us get right into it. And the first one is Superman in the 40s. And Superman in the 40s is the one I got when I was at ACC. This was actually during my uh, first year at ACC, another course to college. And I remember after a field trip to the State House, I went to Newberry Comics, and there was a Newberry Comics that used to be in Downtown Crossing. Of course, uh, that is no longer around. And I remember getting this. And... This was, um, you know, this was something that I was, that I really wanted, and it's a pretty good collection, you know, it's a pretty good collection, it has 18 of Superman's early adventures, including the, um, the first issue of Action Comics from June of 1938, and... You know, I haven't read this in a while. I mean, I was reading this uh, last week. I read the, uh, well, I read Action Comics number one um, last week. And it was just amazing, you know, I mean, reading these stories. And, of course, no graphic novel collection is complete without at least one featuring the Man of Steel. So if you're somebody who is a fan of Superman and, you know, you just love the earlier adventures of him, then this graphic novel collection is definitely for you. Superman in the 40s. And next, we have Batman, A Death in the Family. Yep, A Death in the Family. Uh, this is a deluxe edition I have because the deluxe edition also has the sequel, A Lonely Place of Dying, which is the first Batman uh, book I had as a small little kid. Um, of course, I wasn't all that good at reading, and I was more um, thrilled with the art. Yeah, I was more into the art than reading. Um... And of course, the art done by um, Jim Paro and George Perez. And the story is by Marv Wolfman, who earlier did Tomb of Dracula. And of course, created the character known as Blade. And A Death in the Family, of course, sees the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin. 
And this caused a lot of uproar because some people actually thought that it was Dick Grayson. And of course, uh, Dick Grayson, um, for those who followed the comics back then, he had uh, went on to join uh, the Titans. Well, first he had his own stories, you know, with Batgirl. He went to college. And then he went from Robin to Nightwing. And then we had Jason Todd, you know, as the new Robin. He was depicted as snotty and someone who the fans didn't really like as much. So they killed him off. And, of course, responsible for the death is the Joker. And Batman wants to try to put it into the Joker. And, of course, Superman has to come in and stop him because the Joker has diplomatic immunity by some reason. Of course, you'll have to read the whole book in order to find out how that happened. And then in the sequel here of A Lonely Place of Dying, we see Batman trying to stop Two-Face. And, of course, he takes on a new Robin, which is Tim Drake. And he becomes the third Robin. And this is actually pretty good. I loved it. Uh, great storytelling by Marv Wolfman. Also great artwork by artwork by Jim Aparo and George Perez. And anyone who is a fan of Batman, you should definitely add this to your collection. Next, we have Marvel, Five Fabulous Decades of the World's Greatest Comics. This one is a little more personal because this was one of the first uh, graphic novels that I bought as a kid. I bought this uh, when I was being home tutored for a short period of time. And my home tutor used to take me to Petucci's and he would also uh, take me to Barnes and Nobles as well. And this one has a great, tells a great story, you know, from the... Let's see, it goes all the way back to the uh, to the 30s and then, uh, you know, the golden age to the 30s and the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and all the way up to the, yeah, I believe all the way up to the, um, to the 90s. And... There's like profiles on the heroes and the villains. We also have uh, classic stories as well at the um, at the end of it. You know, towards the end, we have uh, classic Marvel stories, and one of the classic stories that was featured in this is the Hunter. Yep, the uh, Wolverine adventure that was released in 1987 for. Um, Sears. It was exclusively sold through Sears. And, and of course, um, uh, let's see, Chris Claremont, uh, the writer of this, um, he actually refers to it as Wolverine 101. And this is one of the stories that I actually thought would make for a great uh, movie. Too, if you go back to my um, my countdown of greatest comics slash graphic novels, that would make for a great movie. 
and so yeah you know it's excellent definitely uh check it out and it also talks about you know some of the you know the comic story you know the comics that uh that existed briefly, you know, like the like the new universe and some ones from the fifties and forties that never really got off the ground as well. They had a short life, and it also talks about the merchandise as well, souvenirs and you know just the whole history of Marvel Comics and a great introduction as well by um, you know by Stan Lee. So, uh, if you're a fan of Marvel Comics and you love the history of Marvel and you want to at least um, look at the first five decades of Marvel Comics, then this one is absolutely for you. It's by Lee Daniels and... Oh, sorry, Les Daniels. And it has Spider-Man on the cover. Of course, Spider-Man being the franchise player. And, yeah... It's wonderful it's big it's huge and you should definitely absolutely positively add this to your collection next we have punisher yeah yeah we have the punisher essential volume one. Oh, just got a notification there um, and this is a collection of the earliest uh, appearances from the Punisher, his earlier appearances in Spider-Man, uh, Captain America, Daredevil, and it also has his own stories as well. It has Marvel Preview numbers one and two, and it also has the Circle of blood which was his uh first issue his own comics you know issues one two three four and five and you know i remember getting this and you know reading it and you know i'm a huge fan of the punisher and i was amazed to go back and look at you know his early days you know in the amazing spider-man you know of course he appeared in spider-man issue uh number 129 and then I also read the Marvel preview, which talked more about his origins. And I was just amazed by it. I loved it. And also the essential books are all in black and white. And I love the feeling of um, black and white, you know, too. you know, add something special. I mean, I love the colors, you know, but black and white is actually pretty good, too. Black and white comics are, are actually pretty awesome as well. You know, it also forces you to use your imagination of what the color of their um, clothes and uniforms uh, look like. Of course, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, Daredevil, and Captain America, you know, you know what their costumes look like. But nevertheless, uh, some good stories in here. And for anyone who is a diehard fan of The Punisher, I highly recommend you read this. Next, we have the Frank Miller classic, Batman, The Dark Knight Returns. And of course, in this story, Batman comes out of retirement after 10 years. 
and he takes on the mutant gang, the Joker, Two-Face, and of course, Superman. And I remember looking at this when I was a little kid. I was a little boy, and I went over to my aunt's house, Marquise and Keon, and they had this. And again, I, you know, I wasn't that all that good at reading. I, later on, I became really good at reading. But I remember the artwork. And um, years later, you know, after watching the documentary comic books, um, Superheroes Unmasked, and also watching the um, Legends of the Dark Knight episode on uh, Batman the Animated Series, aka also slash Batman, the new, yeah, the new adventures of Batman. Um, you know, I remember going to a comic book store near my school ACC at the time with my mom. And I went in there, I looked around, and I got this, The Dark Knight Returns. And I read it, I remember the artwork, read the whole story, and it was phenomenal. I mean, I just loved it. I loved the art, the war shed art, shed art here. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, you know, Frank Miller really did write a good story, and, you know, he drew some uh, really good art here on this one as well. And... You know, this one definitely is one of the inspirations for, you know, the Batman 89 movie. It's an inspiration for, you know, um, Batman Begins and, of course, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Actually played more of an inspiration for Dark Knight Rises. And it also has its own animated movie, which I highly recommend that you watch. And I think this should be turned into a live action movie as well. You know, I mean, because um, as much as I love the animated movie, I think it, it would be cool if they turned this into a live-action film as well. And you can hear me talk about this on uh, my episode of great comics slash graphic novels that would uh, make for a great movie. And interestingly enough, uh, the scene in Batman Forever where the we see the bat flying towards a young Bruce Wayne, uh, that was lifted from um, from here, you know, from The Dark Knight Returns. So, uh, good work there by uh, Schumacher. Next, we have another Frank Miller collection here. Another great work by, da by Frank Miller. Daredevil Visionaries, Frank Miller Volume 1. Uh, this one I got when I was in New Mission. I... Yeah, I was in my second year of new mission. I was my sophomore year. And I remember actually showing this in class during um, during schoolwork, you know, a class project. And, um, you know, talking about, you know, you know, comic book superheroes and, you know, talking about how they used to be for kids and geeks and nerds and now they're popular. And this was at a time when, you know, Batman Begins was starting to come out. The X-Men movies were out. You know, Blade Trinity had come out as well, and, you know, I mean, this is a great collection here of stories, um, Frank Miller did the, uh, cover art for, for all the stories as well, um, the best ones are, um, uh, let's see, Marked for Murder, 
and in the hands of Bullseye, those ones feature the um, the the villain Bullseye, one of Daredevil's um, you know best villains. Of course, he was created by Marv Wolfman as well. And then there's Blind Alley, where um, Daredevil go and the Incredible Hulk team up, and of course uh, the Incredible Hulk, through a misunderstanding, beats the shit out of Daredevil. And then there's Till Death Do Us Part, where Daredevil takes on the Gladiator, and that one is actually a pretty good story, too. It's uh, it's actually my all-time favorite story here in this one. And for anyone who's a fan of Daredevil, or just a fan of Frank Miller, period, you should absolutely, positively get this collection. And I actually want to get volume two. Yeah, maybe someday, maybe next year, I'll track down uh, volume two of Visionaries. Next is another Frank Miller classic. And this one also just so happens to involve the Dark Knight. Batman Year One. And Batman Year One, of course, is a retelling of Batman's origins. It talks about his first year in Gotham City, as well as the first year in Gotham City for one Jim Gordon, who is a detective, becomes a lieutenant, and would eventually become the commissioner. And this is another one of the stories that was a huge influence on Batman 89 and also Batman Begins, more so on Batman um, Begins. And, you know, the art work here um, by David Mazzuccelli is awesome. And also Frank Miller, he really did uh, tell a good story as well. And... Yeah, I mean, Frank Miller, he knows how to tell a good Batman story, you know, and um, and I remember reading this. Uh, I got this also back in high school, and I just loved it. And also, so we see Selena Kyle as well uh, as Catwoman. You know, of course, she's black in this one. And also, this is another one of these um, graphic novels that I thought would have made for a good live action movie and actually there almost was a live action movie of this one um after the Joel Schumacher films they um they meaning Frank Miller and um Darren Aronofsky wrote a script for Batman Year One they took it to Warner Brothers of course they passed on it and we later wound up with what was to become Batman Begins and of course, we do have the animated uh, movie version of Batman uh, Year One, which is incredible. You know, and I actually saw it um, one night with um, with my mom. We we saw uh, Year One as part of our movie night. But um, this is something I would have loved to see as a. Um, um, this is something I definitely would have loved. To see as a live action movie you know as well and and of course after this um this yeah by the way this is the um 
What edition is this one here? Uh, this is a special edition one. Um, this this one has also has the um, you know it also has um, David Masicelli's uh, afterwards here, and you know he talks about you know working on Batman, you know the origin story and. Also, there's uh, some clips of the first issue of Action Comics of Superman. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Robin, of course. And then there's, um, you know, some artwork here as well. Beautiful artwork. And also the original, some pictures of the original script. And, of course, you have the, um, the gallery of the, of the covers of the four issues of year one which are um, amazing, and some more pictures, and it's just good, you know, it's just all around good, you know, I mean, I love Year One, and for anyone who is a fan of, um, you know, the Nolan movies, or the, uh, the 1989 movie, then I highly recommend you read this. Next... We have The Punisher, Circle of Blood. And Circle of Blood, I did a review of this. Um, yeah, I did a review of this, and it's a great uh, graphic novel. And also, this was number one on my list of uh, graphic novels and comics that should be turned into a movie. And... You read the story, and it really would make for a good Punisher movie because, you know, you have the Punisher, he gets out of jail, he's, um, yeah, of course he's helped out of jail by a, a group of vigilantes who try to recruit him and, you know, lead him, and of course uh, they wind up betraying him, and then the Punisher tries to go and get payback, and on top of that... Uh, the son of one of the mob bosses that he kills is, as, is also after him. And, yeah, this reissue here, um, you know, this you know, shows, um, you know, the Punisher standing there with a gun. And, of course, uh, it's all in black. And, you know, and I just love it. You know, I just love the story. I love the artwork. And... You know, I mean, this would definitely make for a good, for a good movie. I also love the, um, you know, the cover art for these as well. There's um, one where the Punisher, you know, he's up against the wall and, you know, spit coming out of his mouth and, you know, he's firing as um, guns are, are firing right at him. I mean, that's a, you know, that's an awesome, um, that's an awesome cover right there and then for uh back yeah and for the other one issue number two uh back to the war you know we see him you know hiding behind a wall as uh some gangsters are running after him and he's got an uzi i mean again uh tremendous right there and and then we go to issue 
number yeah and then we go to issue number three which is uh slaughter day um oh wait what's next yeah we have yeah for issue number three we have uh i'm just looking back at these here Yeah, for issue number three, we have, um, we have him, like, in front of a, um, you know, target thing, you know, he's with the gun, you know, just, like, on the cover here of the novel, and there's blood coming out, and, to, yeah, he's a perfectly good tar target uh, shooter, he's a good marksman. Also, if you go back to the, um, cover um gallery here there's a there's ultimate pictures here um there's one in black and white with him holding two guns instead of one you know kind of a john woo sort of thing and then for number four can't find number four here yeah number four we we see him um, on a rope jumping down from from a building, and he's got a, you know, it looks like he's got a shotgun there, and he's about to crash it and start um, busting some caps. Yeah, that's uh, tremendous. And then for number five, we see him, you know, holding. You know, a machine gun just firing off. Yeah. And then for, um, you know, the, for the paperback, um, cover, uh, we see him holding, holding the beautiful woman and then the picture of, uh, Jigsaw and he's firing a gun. And, um, yeah, it's a paperback for, um, for, yeah, the second one, and then, you know, the second printing, and then for the third printing, we see him there uh, in front of the target, and this time he's got a huge machine gun there. Looks like a, yeah, kind of looks like an AK-47. And so anyways, you know, good graphic novel. If you're a huge fan of The Punisher, then I highly recommend that you... Add this to your collection. And next, we have the one story that definitely influenced Batman 89. And as quoted by Tim Burton, it's my favorite. It's the first comic I ever loved. Wow. It is Batman. The Killing Joke. And The Killing Joke is uh, another one of one that I thought should have been made into a live-action movie. And I still think it, it would make for a live-action movie. Um, and of course, in this one, you know, the Joker, uh, he shoots Barbara Gordon and she winds up being crippled. And then kidnaps Jim Gordon and Batman has to try to rescue 
him. Meanwhile, Joker tries to drive um, Jim Gordon insane with all the pictures of Barbara, you know, laying in a pool of blood, naked. And also we get flashbacks to the origins of Joker, you know, when he was the Red Hood and then he fell into the chemicals and he became who he was. And this was definitely the inspiration behind the uh, 89 movie with Tim Burton. Of course, uh, we don't see the Red Hood um, in the 89 film, you know, instead we just see the Joker as, you know, Jack Napier and then he falls into the bat of chemicals and he becomes a Joker. Uh, you know, Alan Moore, of course, um, wrote this. He would go on to write um, The Watchmen. Actually, yeah. Yeah, but no, wait, actually, The Watchmen was first. Yeah, The Watchmen was first, then, and then he would um, write The Killing Joke. And he later said that... Um, that he didn't think it was his best work. Yeah, he really feels like this w really wasn't his best work. He felt like it was average at best. And, you know, it was just a Batman and Joker story, which I don't believe so. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good story. I loved it. I mean, he gets why people like it. But for him, he doesn't really see that much into it. Also, uh, I have the deluxe edition. Yeah, this is the uh, deluxe edition that I got um, uh, several years ago. And, you know, it really, is a, it really is a good origin story. You know, it tells a really good origin story of the Joker. And, you know, it dives into how his madness began. And, you know, and of course, at the end, him and Batman have a laugh. And, of course, how often does Batman laugh? So, all in all, this is a good story, and if you're a Batman fan, this is a, another one to add to your collection. And if you're someone who's never read, I mean, sorry, has never seen uh, the 89 movie, I highly recommend first you read this, then watch the 89 movie, and then you'll see the comparisons. Next... We have the final three graphic novels, and these are the new ones that my mom, hi mom, love you, my mom ordered for me, and first, looking at here is Marvel Masterworks, The Two of Dracula, Volume 1. And I actually have a Marvel Masterworks book. I got, uh, this was, it was the second graphic novel I ever bought. It was one on the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, volume one of the Incredible Hulk. And I, yeah, and I, yeah, I read that a while ago. I mean, uh, of course, I also read the origin story of the Incredible Hulk for um, Marvel, yeah, for Marvel in May. So um, you can go back and check that one out. But uh, for this one here, uh, the Tomb of Dracula Volume 1, this has Tomb of Dracula issues 1 through 11. 
um, with Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Of course, Marv Wolfman wasn't the actual. Um, well, he was the he would go on to be the writer for the series, but he wasn't the original writer. Uh, the actual original writer were Roy Thomas and Gene Conway. They both uh, co-written um, the story, and Conway stayed on for well, he stayed on for number two after Thomas left after number one, and then uh, for some unknown reason, which has never really been um, answered, Archie Goodwin came on as a writer and he did issues number three and four. And then Gardner Fox came in for issues number five and six. And Roy Thomas, he did stay on for the comic, though. Uh, he stayed on as a editor along with uh, Stan Lee. And Marv Wolfman, he took over on issues, issue number seven, and the rest, as they say, is history. And Gene Colan, uh, he... He, of course, uh, worked on the art from issue number one and so on and so forth. And, and this is just a great collection of, Tomb of, Dra of the old Tomb of Dracula um, stories here. And, you know, of course, uh, I'm a huge fan of Blade, you know, and... Uh, and I'm actually uh, reading these old stories for um, for Halloween in October because I'm dedicating it to Blade. And it actually has the issue where Blade first appeared in Tomb of Dracula. He appeared in issue number 10. And unfortunately, it's the only Blade story. <coughs> Sorry about that. It's the only Blade story in uh, this volume. But uh, there is more in volume two and I have not read volume two. I don't have volume two yet, but after reading this, I definitely wanna get volume two and I'm going to get volume two. Once I have my money saved up again and get some other stuff out of the way, I am definitely gonna order volume two because I read volume one on Friday. Uh, this was the second one to arrive actually. The first one, to arrive on Friday was Blade uh, Black and White, which I will get into pretty shortly. And then later on that night, this came, and I was just so excited. And I actually uh, had a hard time choosing um, which one I was going to read. Well, first I was going to read uh, Black and White when it arrived, and then when this arrived, then I had to do um, I had to do a any mini mighty mo thing to to pick which one I was gonna read and eventually uh, I chose black and white to read first and and you know the stories without Blade are actually just as good I mean they are just as good and from issue number one to issue number eleven. I mean, it keeps you on the edge of your seat, you know, it's, um, you know, the story by Marv Wolfman, well, not only by Marv Wolfman, but of, uh, but of Jerry Conway, Archie Goodwin, and Gardner Fox, I mean, they just told some tremendous stories here, 
and you know and the art i mean the art here is just incredible too i mean this definitely has the marvel comics uh dna you know the jack kirby uh dna here i mean marvel comics in the set in the 60s and 70s were always known for their best art and this is a this is a great uh example of their art here and you know it's just um you know it's just tremendous and also as a um as a bonus after you're done reading the first uh 11 stories of tomb of dracula there's also the um dracula um magazine comic dracula lives and those ones are in black and white it's uh you know and it has the first four issues where you know wait the first four is issues uh yeah it has the first um wait, issue number one uh sorry the first three issues i should i should say um yeah the first three issues and the first three issues talks about you know his origins you know how he came to be you know the prince of darkness you know after being you know vlad the, Impl the impaler and it is amazing it has that horror comic feel to it and if you're a fan of horror comics then you will love this in fact actually when i was reading this i would read it by um you know listening to some uh, gothic uh, organ music um on youtube and you know, it just really did set the mood and stuff. Of course, I wanted to read it in the dark, but then my mom gave me a hard time about about it. So, uh, so yeah, you can read it with with the lights on. You know, so read it with the right. Yeah, read it with the lights on because otherwise you'll go blind later. And then right after the uh, Dracula lives, you know, we get a gallery here of art we also have the tomb of dracula plot synopsis page by roy thomas um corresponding to published pages one and four and we have gene colin um with his illustration of dracula trying to show stanley that he could actually draw dracula he was up for the job and here's the original art from tomb of dracula number one um and then there's one for issue number three, uh, the cover, the original cover art for issue number five, and inside issue number five, page 20, there's, uh, and there's one from issue number five on page 12, um, and then, uh, production, um, you know the production crew they actually um threw in there like a oatmeal recipe <laughs> yeah a recipe for like oatmeal um five old irish oatmeal okay and then there's the original uh art photocopy for tomb of dracula issue number nine and then there's the original um, cover for issue number 10 with Blade on the cover uh, with the original dialogue 
and it actually was tamed um, down the original dialogue um, to receive uh, code approval. And um, by that time, the the idea of having the code of comics was like coming to an end, you know, because after Stanley did an issue of Spider Man where Spider Man talked about you know the issues of drugs and stuff, and did it without the the comics approval, you know, Marvel started doing more comics and stuff that didn't have the code approval and then there was a whole lot of comics that talked about you know dealings of drugs and then the horror comics started coming back so um so yeah and just some other artwork here you know from dracula lives and and stuff you know in black and white and there's also a picture of the of issue number one of the savage return of dracula in 1992 by gene colin as well but uh, nevertheless it is awesome if you are a diehard fan of the original tomb of dracula comics and and a, and a diehard fan of blade or just a diehard fan of horror comics period then you should definitely pick this up volume one Ma marvel masterworks the tomb of dracula and i Definitely cannot wait to get volume two. I am definitely going to get volume two. And actually, I think this should be turned into a TV series. You know, I actually talked about it on night one of um, NW, of NWA 74, you know, because, um, you know, I was doing like a little preview of this before I finished it. I finished it this morning and I said that, that this would make, for a great animated series you know it would be in the veins of the old spawn animated series that came on hbo which was a series that my brother wayne tuckle used used to watch and you know it would be rated r there'd be a lot of blood gore uh sex as well i mean you could definitely add it to um you know to today's world you know i mean plus you know, Disney Plus, they started to add on, like, some R-rated content of Marvel, you know, so, uh, I would love to see this get turned into a TV series one day. And next, we have the Tomb of Dracula, Day of Blood, Night of redemption and this one takes place right after the original tomb of dracula this was in 1991 this is issues number one and four and we have the reuniting of gene colon and marv wolfman of course uh, al williamson joins and in this one frank drake he you know he's married you know he's moved on you know especially after him uh hannibal and uh blade had their own detective agency and then this occult uh specialist kidnaps frank's frank drake's uh wife and they go to transylvania and then of course they resurrect he resurrects dracula and thus dracula is on the loose and now they Drake has to uh, rely on his partner Blade reluctantly and 
And of course, uh, there's some love lost between Blade and and Drake, and they have to rescue Drake's wife from Dracula, and also have to put another nail in the coffin to Dracula. And this story is amazing. You know, I mean, of course, if you go on Matt's World TV, you know, I showed pictures of it. I mean, the artwork is amazing, especially the uh, the cover art as well. You know, the Watershed cover art by Gene Colan. I mean, it just like leaps right off the page. You know, I mean, I almost feel like it's about to come up right off the page here and stuff. And... You know, I mean, just has that old school Marvel artwork here. And, you know, actually, this would actually make for a good movie, too. You know, this would definitely make for a um, for a great movie as well. And this was actually the first um, graphic novel that came in the mail. And I remember getting this on a Friday as well. Uh, not this Friday, but the Friday before then. And I was amazed. I read this in one night. I skipped WWE SmackDown to read this. That's how much I loved this. And and it just tells a great story. And you know the and of course in the in the back after reading the story, you know there's the cover art paintings by Gene Colan that are just awesome. Uh, there's also, um, you know, some classic, uh, artwork here that's in black and white. That's amazing as well. And, you know, if you're, you know, once again, if you're a diehard fan of Blade or Tomb of Dracula or just horror comics, then this is the book for you. Amazing. Read it. Next. We have another one featuring Blade. This one is called Blade Black and White. And Blade Black and White has Blade's solo stories from the 70s and also from the 90s. Uh, from the 70s, we have Vampire Tales number 8 and 9, uh, Marvel Preview number 3 and number 6. And actually... Number six is where he takes on, you know, the Legion of Monsters as well as Morbius. And then from the 90s, we have Marvel Shadows and Light number one, as well as uh, his own story, uh, Blade Crescent City Blues number one, where he reunites with, with Drake. And, and of course... The story is written by uh, Marv Wolfman and Chris uh, Claremont. Of course, Claremont uh, wrote Wolverine's uh, The Hunter. And the illustrations by Tony DiZungia and Gene Colan. And these are all in black and white. I mean, the Marvel preview ones are in black and white. I mean, back then, the Marvel preview ones were, you know, were black and white issues. And, and it really does add that uh, scary, you know, feel to it, you know, that horror feel to it. And there's also a short Picto History of Blade in this one as well. And 
you know, just reading this, I mean, I was amazed. You know, I read this in one day. You know, I, you know, like I said, I skipped WWE SmackDown. Yeah, I, yeah, for this one, I skipped WWE SmackDown once again to read this. You know, that's how much I love this. Yeah, this Friday, I, you know, I skipped WWE SmackDown to read this. And it's amazing. And there's actually some stories in here that would that would make for a great Blade movie, too. I Especially Marvel uh, preview number three and number six would make for a great Blade movie. Because, um, you know, it's solo and there's a lot of action. Especially uh, number three, because number three goes more into his origins. And, you know, I just love it. And actually... Uh, Marvel preview number three is another graphic novel that I have that's uh, going to be coming in the mail soon. It's going to be coming in the mail September 9th, and I can't wait for that to come come the mail. And uh, that's also going to be on a Friday. So even though I read it in here in black and white, but I'm going to read that one because what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And last... But not least, Blade, Blood, and Chaos. Yep, this is a collection that I got a few years ago. And these are mostly stories of Blade from 1998 and 1999. And uh, there are some good stories in this one too uh, especially in the first one there's blade sins of the father which is actually a comic book uh prequel to what would become the first blade movie with uh, steven dorf and wesley snipes and then right after that one it goes into blood allies and i talked about blood allies a few times uh, Blood Allies I talked about on, you know, comics and graphic novels that would make for a good movie. And this was actually uh, number number 10. And, you know, of course, especially in the first issue, you know, where Blade is on a riverboat and, you know, he has to rescue this girl from a vampire. And then later on, you know, he's dealing with Morbius. And, you know, and I talked about the cast uh, I would have for this movie, you know, circa 98, 97, 98. And, of course, if you were, if I were to cast this movie today, um, I don't know, yeah, yeah, definitely I wouldn't have, um, the same cast as I would, um, as I would for this movie. The cast would have to be, uh, almost entirely, entirely different. But for the time period in 19... 97, 98, um, it would definitely have been the, uh, perfect cast. And right after Blood Allies, there's Blade issues number one through six in 1999, and also one and a half. And anyone who's a diehard fan of Blade, definitely pick this up. It's a good read. And yeah, you know, I mean... I, I especially love Blood, Blood Allies, even though we don't get a, you know, a conclusion to that. I mean, of course, in Amazing Spider-Man number, going back to this here, uh, number eight, 
that's when Morbius uh, bites Blade, and then Blade develops the hunger for for blood, and he officially becomes a Daywalker in that one. But um, but it's still a pretty good story, though. You know, it's still a pretty good story, and it's definitely worth reading. And that's it. That is the episode right here. And I hope this episode uh, made you guys want to um, go out and seek out these graphic novels. You can get them at your local comic book store, or you can go order them on Amazon, just like I did. And once again, to my mom, love you, mom. And make sure you all thank my mom, too. You can thank her at tkareen on Instagram. And, yeah, I love you, mom. And next week, I'm going to be talking about Blade and Batman because in September, I am going to be celebrating the anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. And we're going to be taking a look back at some of the old episodes. Yep, I'm going to be doing a watch along for all the uh, episodes on there. I'm going to be ta talking more about that tomorrow. And also, like I said, in October, I'm going to be looking back at the old stories of Blade. Yep. For Halloween. So we're going to be looking at Blade's stories in the Tomb of Dracula from Blood and Chaos. Uh, of course, Blade Black and White and marvel preview and by the time i'm ready to do that episode do those episodes in october uh i will probably have um tomb of dracula part two of marvel masterworks and also um those blade episodes by the way are going to be uh, special episodes they won't be on sunday yeah sunday will be the batman ones and the other days which i'll get into more will be about blade and that is it that is all i hope you all love this episode and once again i hope this uh, makes you guys want to um, seek out these classic graphic novel stories and comics and you know just let your inner geek fly man just let your inner geek fly and that'll do it and I'll see you all next week. And until then, peace out.